If I had a dollar for every time they say God, what I'm gonna come through, I'd be a millionaire. Oh, uh, if I had a dollar for every time.
Stand amazed in your presence. There is nothing you cannot do. I stand amazed in your presence. There is joy, peace, and hope. I stand.
Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you feel like I feel like I'm stuck in this middle of whatever and God is not hearing me or seeing me this song says even when it feels like God's not working he is so I want to just encourage you and just remind you God hears you that's right Caleb that's right today hey we're gonna be honoring the kids today so Caleb come on up here Caleb for a minute Caleb, I'm putting this guy on the spot, but he's used to being put on the spot. Caleb, I want you to share something that's on your heart to these people right now. Uh, so like the last time I said, you know, like you could do whatever you want in your life, but it's about God. When, when you think he doesn't see you, he sees you. He will always see you. When you're having a bad time, when you're having middle time, when, when, when something sad happens, he, he's curing you, and he's making, and he's making the bad thing, getting good, being good. He's turning around everything. All right. Do you believe me now? Powerful. Right there. Right there. Thank you, Caleb. No, for real, that spoke to someone today. Oh, he's so cute and adorable. But I spoke to someone. The word of God coming through a life of a child, man. God hears you. God hears you. God hears you. I want you guys not to move. Can we do the worship with the kids quick? Jen? I'm, and I not quick, quick, but like get them up here quick. Because I, I don't want you guys to go anywhere. That's you too, Caleb. All right, so yesterday we had a day of evangelism and outreach and discipleship for our kids. And they want to teach you several songs that uh, they focused on last week. Come on, Jen. Let's give Miss Jen a hand. Good morning, good morning. We had an amazing day yesterday at our adventure quest. We learned about the full armor of God and how to use it. So any of my friends that are here that were here yesterday that want to come down and dance with us, any adults that need to just take it up a notch, come join us. We're going to worship. This is still worship, just so you know. Still worship. So come, join us. Let's praise the Lord together. This is what we do in Kids Church. 
shield and sword, but I stand before you in the name of the Lord. Yeah, you stand before me with your shield and sword, but I stand before you in the power of the Lord. Yeah. We need teachers and helpers and check-in people and people just to have fun and play with Play-Doh, too. So see me after service if you're interested. But right now, I do want to switch gears just a little bit. One of the other um, ministries that we have through kids' ministry is Junior Bible Quiz. It's been around for a long time. You've probably, you're probably an adult and used to do it when you were little. But basically, you learn a whole bunch of Bible trivia and then you actually compete against other church groups. Um, our team has made it to nationals a couple of times, I believe. Um, this past year, we did not just because of COVID, unfortunately. But we, <laughs> but we did meet, we did study. These, these girls, they studied hard. And we even ended up having a game night here. And we had church leadership go up against these kids with Bible trivia. Let's just say that the children won. 
just a side note, anyway. <laughs> but myself and Pastor Anthony were both um, the leaders who did help with this group. And unfortunately, he's not able to be here today, but he did have a special message. morning church i'm so glad you came out today to celebrate with our kids these kids competed well in our jbq competition and for those of you who don't know what jbq is jbq means junior bible quiz it's a time where kids from the southern new england district come together and they compete with bible verses now the southern new england district consists of the state of massachusetts rhode island and connecticut and last year we placed seventh in the district and this year we were looking forward to placing number one but then COVID hit and things got changed a little bit. But we still met together on Zoom. The kids studied hard. We went over all of our scriptures and we did have the opportunity to compete. And we competed right here at this church against the adults of the church. And it was a great, great turnout. And the kids did beat the adults. I must throw that in there. And so listen, God's word is so true that when these kids grow up in the word of the Lord and the ways of God, that when they do get older, they won't depart from it. So I'm just so excited about the hard work that they put in. And listen, we are here to applaud them. We are here to applaud you, uh, Junior Bible Quiz Team, Jaywalkers. And so um, to God be the glory. I wish I could be here with you guys, but I'm doing this right from video. I love you. I'm looking forward to the next season and God bless. Good morning. So today we're going to honor them. We hadn't had a chance yet until now. We have some trophies for them. So if you wouldn't mind giving the greatest applause that you could give. Come on. Hey. Yes, yes, yes. First, I'd like to call up Adriana. Adriana Bergman. Nice work. It's my own child. Nice work. This is Amalia, this is Naraya, and Dante. Great job, girls. Great job. They're memorizing Like I I I could quote scripture. I can't tell you where it is. You have to like find you know, but I'm so proud of this team, proud of Miss Jen. And I think that is true, Miss Jen, right? For at least a year, we can blame COVID, right? Yes. Yes. Blame COVID and everything. Great job. Thank you so much. All right, so we got a couple of uh, announcements, some super duper important announcements. So this coming Saturday, we have 
a, a business if you, a business ministry, it's Momentum School of Ministry. If you want to start a business or a ministry, it's coming this Saturday at 9 a.m. Um, in the Youth Center with uh, uh, Patricia Jeremia. I mean, since COVID, we've had about six, I, I'm going to underguess it, about six people that started a business slash ministry. We're an equipping church, and it's going to be uh, hosted through our Momentum Resource Center. If you want to register, go on to MomentumResourceCenter.com, and you can register. And then August 21st, we have our leadership class through uh, myself and uh, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching that on the book of Nehemiah. Leadership principles through the book of Nehemiah. You don't have to be a leader of this church, but if you're interested in becoming a leader or if you feel like you're a leader in the workplace, be sure to take this class also on MomentumResourceCenter.com. All right, so everybody ready? We have some VIPs in the building. My boss. The assistant superintendent and his wife, the assistant superintendent of the Assemblies of God of the Southern New England Ministry Network, they're visiting with us today. Can we just honor them for a moment? <laughs> Pastor Tim and Jackie, thank you guys for coming. If you got any complaints about me, nah, that's not going to happen because you don't have any complaints about me. One person's like, no, I, I actually, I do. No, he's here to, <laughs> see, You're, we good, we straight, we good, all right, thanks, Caleb. Come on, uh, Revelation chapter 2, we are on the seven churches of the book of Revelation, Romans cha uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 tonight, uh, today we're going to Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, and, um, and we're talking about the church of Thyatira, and you know, I, can I, can, I'm going to share this with you, can I be honest with you? Thank you. I was going through this series and looking at it, and, and usually I kind of like preaching. Like I, I'll, I'll preach a hard message, knockout, and then the next message is love, peace, and bell bottoms. Everybody's happy. And then the next Sunday, I'll, I'm like, they, they, need, you know, they need a spanking. And then the next Sunday, I love you and embrace you. Like this is seven, eight weeks of just like seven weeks of spankings. <laughs> So I'm like, God, I don't know. God's like, no, you're, you're straight on. We good. But, so I just want to let you know, I'm, I feel like I'm on track. And, and we're using words like um, repentance. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, remember that word? We're, repentance. We're using word, words like God judges sin. And this church, the church of Thyatira, is the actually middle because we covered three and we got three more. Uh, um, happens to be the smallest church in the smallest city, but they get the biggest rebuke. Yeah. So you know what that means today? <laughs> so I, listen, I just got to go with what the Spirit leads me here. So this is a, a really intense rebuke and in, interesting introduction how Jesus introduces himself. And we're going to read that in our passage. This is the church of Thyatira, the church of tolerance here. To the angel, this is uh, Revelation 2 verse 18. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, talking about Jesus, whose sons, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So we should know, we should just buckle up. When Jesus introduces himself with someone as 
my eyes are coming at you with eyes of blazing fire. That's not the kind of letter that you want in the mail. Okay, this is the kind of introduction. Now, the church of Thyatira wasn't really expecting this kind of introduction. I'm looking more of an introduction of, I'm the son of God, and I've come to give you peace. And I love you, and I want to give you a nice hug. Here, he says, I'm coming to you with eyes of fire, piercing through you. He knows everything about you. And with feet as burnt, burnished bronze, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I got something against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. And by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating the food of sacrifice to idols. Now, of course, we're not talking about, this is not the Jezebel of the Old Testament with Elijah. Obviously not, because she'd be a thousand years old. But we're taught this name, when you do the research, the commentators are indicating that this name is a name that gives symbolism to the church. That all it takes is just one person. One person. Just, just that a little yeast affects the entire batch. So he says, I have this against you. You tolerate that person who's teaching you things that are vile. I have given her time to repent. This is the Lord. God always gives us time. To repent. Everybody say thank you, Jesus. He always, and this is a message for someone here today, he's giving you time to repent. Now, oftentimes we say, I'm going to give you time. Get it straight. We give him like five minutes. That's about as patient as I am. I'm done with you. God says, I'm going to give you time to repent here. But, but she's unwilling, so I will cast her on the bed of suffering. Okay, I told you this was intense. And I will make those who commit adultery with her to suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to you, to the rest of you in Thyatira, to those who do not hold to her teaching, and I have not and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will, because there's always a promise, right? At the end. So there's an acknowledgement of something good you've done, and then there's a I have this against you, and then there's a promise. Now the church of Thyatira, in my opinion, received probably the most powerful promise here. And this is a promise to those in verse 26, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end. I will give authority over the nations. Other, other versions say, I will share my throne with you. I will share my authority with you. That one will rule with them with an iron scepter and dash them to pieces like pottery. Just I have received authority from my father. So as Jesus receives authority from his father, he's giving them to you. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord says to the churches. So we always have the list of churches. Today we're on the church of Thyatira, the tolerant church. We, went, we did three churches before. We have three more churches. And the church of Thyatira, which is the smallest city, really uh, was the city that represented the most, it was a city of influence. It was a small city, but it was a city of deep influence. 
So the last time we talked about the compromising church with, with the church of Pergamos where they were kind of left and right, in and out, doing both things and, and riding the wave of two different types of, of values. But the church of Thyatira wasn't even compromising. They were just fully living in immorality. They just made a decision, we're just going to go deep in this sin. And when you do the research on Thyatira because the city was influential, they wanted to be a part of that influence. So they attempted to be all-inclusive. They attempted to be tolerant. And then what began to happen is they began to live like those they were sent to love. I read this and I'm like, wow. We can, we, I see this mirrored so much in our churches today. We, oh, let's just love everybody. Now the first church we taught, the church of Ephesus, they were strong in doctrine, but they lost their love. Remember God said, listen, you got to go back and do the things you did at first. You lost your love. That was Ephesus. They were strong in doctrine, lost their love. The church of Thyatira was strong in love, but they lost their doctrine. I know you love, but I have this against you. You become the world that you love. I love everybody. And I want to, part of this message today is just really to clearly define what love is. I want to know what love is. Did, how many of you knew that was coming? I have this thing. I don't know. God's helping me, but I just, I got to. So it was it really different than the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus had the strong doctrine, the belief systems, theology, the understanding of God. But they lost love. This church had love, but they lost their doctrine and understanding. He says, I know your works. You love the world. But I have this against you. You become the world. And much like the church of Pergamum, they lost their light under the banner of tolerance. Let's just love everyone. Let's just, let's just accept, embrace everyone. Now Jesus, the son of God, introduces himself as, I'm the son of God coming to you as eyes of blazing of fire. Which means he penetrates through the superficial veneers of the, of the Christian person. So you come to church, we see you as you look. You come to church, but Jesus sees you as you are. And I'm grateful that he's, he's got the eyes of fire. Don't let it scare you because you want him to know everything. He can read your mind. He knows your thoughts. And this is vitally important because Jesus is coming as a one that he loves. But he also says, listen, that one corrupt person in the church you got to address. It only takes one person to corrupt an entire batch. So God now says, listen, you got to deal with that person. If not, then I'm going to deal with that person. Now, we're not used to some of the language here in this, I'm going to strike you dead. I'm going to put you in a sick bed. I'm going to strike your children dead. This is not God throwing lightning bolts from heaven. I hope you were bad. Lightning bolt. He comes to judge sin. The sin gets the lightning bolt. But if you want to hug sin, you might get it fried yourself. He didn't come. He, he didn't create hell for mankind. He created hell for the devil and his followers. So don't say God is, God is mean. He's sending people to hell. God's not doing no such thing. He came because he loved the world. And, and one commentator, as I'm reading this, I'm like, what happened with this love and being rebuked? They loved, but they got rebuked. One commentator said, I kind of disagree with him. He says, well, they love too much. I was like, there's no such thing as loving someone too 
much. It said they, 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 that's not right. What happened was they loved without the doctrine. They loved, they, their hearts were full, but their brains were empty. They loved, if you love someone so much, wouldn't you say, dude, you're full of it? If you love someone so much, you're going to be like, um, yeah, you, you need, you, you're not thinking right. Have you, if you really care for someone, wouldn't you say, you got something hanging, kind of wipe it down real quick. Here's a tissue. Now, if you don't love them, you just don't say anything, right? But here, they were loving without the mind. They were loving without the spirit. They were just, this, they were loving. Jesus loves you, but he also wanted to change you. So they failed to speak out against darkness, is what happened. They failed to speak out against sin. They failed to speak out against, uh, against they, they didn't want to disagree. Oh, I don't want to disagree because I don't want to be considered a hypocrite. I had a conversation with someone. I'm like, I'm asking questions. And that's another thing. I get to ask questions because that's how we all learn. But if someone's living in darkness and they're so entrenched in sin, if you have to ask a question and then they call me a hypocrite, I'm like, oh, there you go. I asked one question and I'm a hypocrite. You just want me to accept everything the way everything is without asking any question. But we have to come to a point now as a church where we get back to calling darkness dark and light light. This is evil. This is good. This is left. This is right. And so with the church of Thyatira, now we see this in our, church, in, our, in our world right now. We see the church polarized. Where we have churches that love so much. Let's just love everybody. Embrace everyone. Embrace everything. Embrace every flag. Embrace every gender. Embrace, what is your pronoun? I love you. I love you. I love you. I love everything and everyone. And I'm not going to ask any questions or, or question anything. This is what happened with the church of Thyatira. Now, the one po- how are they polarized? We are polarized where we, we care more about feelings than souls. Don't want to hurt people's feelings. Now, I'm not talking about purposely being, uh, being in a position where you hurt someone's feelings. But sometimes you got to get into a person's face where you hurt their mantra in order to heal their soul. The Bible talks about the wounds of a friend versus the kisses of, a, of an enemy here. The polarization here is that their hearts became so full that their heads were empty. Their hearts are so full of love and kindness and, and, and being nice to every, every, everyone that their heads were empty. There was no knowledge of right and wrong. There was no truth. There was no doctrine. I mean, even science, the facts doesn't even confirm some of the lifestyles that are surfacing. I believe in science. Don't judge me because I believe in science. Now, science are the facts. Don't mistake the facts to the truth. The truth is not a manual or a policy or a book or a principle. The truth is Jesus. Okay? The facts now, sometimes the facts change. Like there was a time where we thought the world was flat. Now the world is round. Right? Everything goes through the scientific method here. But what was happening is their hearts were so full of love that they began to be blind to the truth. Now I want to tell you, remind you, love is truth. And truth is love. So in this case, their hearts were so full that their heads were empty. Or your head could be so full of doctrine and all you do is talk about what's right and wrong. You're sinning. You're, you got to stop it. And you see, Jesus didn't come to talk about what he was against. He came to talk about what he was for. 
And we do have churches out west. We have a church in Texas, a group of Christians that anytime somebody, he was homosexual and died, they would go to their funeral and say, you're in hell, you're going to hell. Or, or if a transgender died, you're going to hell. Or if you had an abortion, you're going to All this judgment, their head was so full of this off doctrine, but their hearts were completely empty. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Now, social media does not count. Because there are a lot of people that have their heads full. And you, you come across as very judgmental. I just got to tell you. And I know that's not who you are. Because I know you. or And I know you. And some of you, I know that's who you are. And the world now is coming up with this perception that their church is filled with people, men and women, who judge. Why? When you post something on social media, they can't see your body language. They can't sense your love. They can't pick up your tone. They can't pick up your eyes. They can't pick up your smile. You can't even show love. Listen, I love you, but unless you get your life right, you're going to hell. Well, you know, that's kind of me. Well, it's the truth. I'm like, yeah, but you could say something right and still be wrong. Consider Jesus when he went to the woman at the well. The rebuke came after the rapport. So we can read that story in five minutes. Commentators say it, interaction took about six to seven hours. So Jesus built that rapport of trust and love. So when it says speak the truth and love, and we learned this a couple of weeks ago, speaking the truth doesn't necessarily mean speaking. Because who's the truth? The truth is Jesus. So what do we do in this context? We don't speak Jesus. We live Jesus. We let our life speak louder than our lips. The either extreme is not of God. Now let's give an illustration. Table salt is made up of two compounds. Two elements. Sodium and chloride. Sodium is an alkali metal that can be explosive if you add water to it. Chlorine is all by itself a poisonous gas. And we know chlorine is something that you clean your bathroom with. But it's poisonous. You guys knew that, right? This is why some of you are green, right? Green cleaning, all that stuff, all that stuff, you know? I'm not pushing your business. I'm just saying, you know? <laughs> so if you ingest either, uh, if you ingest either sodium or ingest chloride, you will die. But if you put it together, you get salt. So the next time you put it on your french fries, <laughs> to give you an idea, either one. Now, love and truth was not designed to be polarized. It was supposed to be together. Love is truth. Truth is love. Love without truth is infatuation. Love without truth is blind love. When I'll do premarital counseling, my wife will talk to the couple. And, and, and uh, um, one of our first questions is, have you had a good argument? Oh, no, Pastor, we don't argue. We agree on everything. I just love him. He's so awesome. We agree. You know what I say? I ain't marrying you. Okay, so this is some advice for those of you who are looking for a husband or, 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 or a wife. Make sure you have one really good argument. I want you to see the scales drop from your eyes. You say you love him, but I want you to see, I want you to see him when he's ugly. When he's arguing, love without truth is hidden hatred. If you know somebody's going to crash in a wall, you're going to say something. You're going you're to shout. With everything you've got, infatuation, lack of understanding, 
of truth. God, and God, what, this is what the Lord is doing. He's calling for men and women filled with courage, filled with faith, filled with love, and discernment. Man, you need discernment to live in the world right now. You know, for me personally, for you may be different, but in this world right now, out of all the gifts of the Spirit, I'm saying, Lord, I need discernment. Because I need to be able to be placed in these very dark places in, in, and, and intermingle with people that are living in very dark places and me be the light of Christ and them see the life in the light in the love of Christ in me and be changed by that. We need discernment. There is going to be times where you feel like speaking up where you don't. Oh, that's good advice. <laughs> I thought. I'm going to say that again. There are times, I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to have more fun saying it this time. There are times when you need to put the shut to the up. No, you might be right in saying what you're going to say. Well, Jesus was right in saying what he said, but the Bible says he opened not his mouth. In order for the mission to be accomplished here. And so we're talking about love. Oh, I love the world. But it seems like we're given, if we're given the opportunity, we want to just make things right. We want to share with the world our doctrine. We wanna, you posting 10 scriptures is not going to impress anybody. It's all right. It's all the word of God. But how about let the word of God be your life. Let your life speak louder than your lips. Paul says we are all living epistles read and seen by all men. And our world doesn't see God, but they see you. And their interpretation of God comes from them seeing you. So today in our own context, in our own personalized context as, as a church, and as a church here in our country, and southern New England, I see these three things happening in our world that we need to get right. We, the church seems to have this strong desire to fit in rather than stand out. We want to fit in. We want to be liked. We, we've lost our ability to discern. Now, George Barna says only 44% of Christians believe in absolute truth. Only 44%. I remember hearing in an interview, um, uh, Oprah Winfrey, remember her? <laughs> well, you know, but that's your truth. My truth is we all have our truth. Someone else can come in and have your truth comes from your story. So my truth comes from my story. Your truth comes from your story. And your truth comes from your story. Your, that's nonsense. There's no your truth, my truth. There's no subjective truth. We're not living, we're living in an age of relativism, but there is a right and a wrong in, this, in the house. And what's pro the problematic in our world is that the church is not speaking up because we want to fit in. We don't want to hurt feelings. But when we get to heaven, the fact that we're going to be involved in saving people's souls, this is so vitally important here, 44%. So what does that mean for the other 60, <laughs> I struggled, 66, <laughs> let's pray, 66, that means 66% 66 of people, I'm, that's why I'm glad I have you in my life, <laughs> I know this is bad, Pastor Tony, I thought you were so calculus. It's been a while. Whatever number you said, those people believe in just whatever. That's not the world. That's the church. The church, Christians, that's, that's those who are attending church. When you read his dad, he's a statistician. He says, 
44% of people that attend church, Christians, every week, believe this absolute. Believe this absolute. The rest of them, everything's open. So if 56% of the church believes that everything's, yeah, you know what? We have to love them. No, this is not about love. This is about right and wrong. This is about, you see someone crashing into a wall. Oh, no, don't say anything because you love them. No, I'm going to say something because I love them. And may we have that same spirit of discernment and that character of Christ where we can develop relationships with all kinds of people. And they have an interest in what you think. And they develop, and they develop an interest in hearing your, your word. I mean, it's, it, we have a desire to strong in, but fit in, but the Bible says that we are peculiar people. We're strange. We're weird. Now, when Jesus came, don't be weird on purpose. Be normal weird. Don't be weird weird. Because then people will avoid you. But Jesus came onto the scene, right? He didn't come to take part. He came to take over. And so he comes with the kingdom. Now everybody's thinking about, oh, we got another king, a king of the Jews. Where's your, where's your throne? Where's your scepter? Where's your crown? And Jesus says, oh, my kingdom's not of this world. He says, my kingdom's neither here or there. My kingdom's inside of you. So Jesus didn't come to be like, let me see where I could fit in. He says, I'm, I'm coming in to stand out. I'm coming to the light of the world. I'm coming to change my atmosphere. I'm coming to change my community. So the, the, the reality is you have this strong desire to fit in. We got to push that aside, ladies and gentlemen, and we have to stand up. I just want to blend in. Oh, no, 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 no. No, Pastor, I just want, no. I want to stand out. Don't you want, when you walk into the room, the people go, look, oh, there goes Colby. He's here. Now, some of you are thinking in a prideful way, right? I'm talking about people sensing the anointing on your life. I'm talking about, whoa. What's going? Every time you walk near me, there's something going on. I remember I helped my brother move when he lived in um, North Jersey. He moved to another part of Jersey, and I drove the uh, Jersey Turnpike. You ever had to drive the Jersey Turnpike? Dude, you got to be, like, really, really saved. So I'm exhausted. I'm driving home on the Jersey Turnpike. I stop over at a rest stop, and you know those restaurants that you're like, oh, man, I wouldn't eat here. But I was hungry, and there was a restaurant there that was serving Philly cheesesteaks. I was like, South Jersey, Philadelphia, let me try it. So I'm there ordering, and I'm waiting on the line, and the guy's making a steak in the back on. He keeps looking at me. I'm like, what is going on? And he keeps looking at me, so then I'm, I'm like this, so make sure. <laughs> thanks, th- thanks, Caleb. So I'm like, no, he's like staring me up and down. I'm like, so he asked me, he goes, this is what he asked me. He goes, do you go to church? I'm like, eh, save every. I try to get, I go, I try to get into church as much as I can. So I'm looking for my debit card, and, you know, and I'm like, what is this guy up to? He goes, he says, there's something. He says, there's something on you. He goes, man, I'm just gonna say it. I sense an anointing on you. I'm like, ah, well, I'm a pastor. I go every Sunday. Somebody's a god. You know, pastor Tim Smith is my boss. He's my mentor. I'm like. No, I say that because I had a rough day. I'm driving a New Jersey turnpike. I didn't feel anointed. This guy, you, you're here to stand out, ladies and gentlemen. You weren't born to fit in. You were born, there's a mission on your life, man. 
Over here laughing at dirty jokes at the job and going out to drinks on Friday night? That's not going to work. May they think you're weird. May they think you're, there's something different about that person. So the first thing I see the church really failing at is the fact that we want to fit in rather than stand out. Another thing, the craziness. The two wars between the spirit and the flesh. Man, I want to take a couple of moments to really explain this here. Because with the church of Thyatira, this was all flesh. You know, there's a thing. We can help, we can get you delivered from demons, but we can't deliver you from you. I can cast a demon out of you, but I can't cast you out of you. <laughs> That's impossible. That's called the flesh. I had somebody come past and just take, re rebuke the flesh out of me. I No, no, I don't do that. You see, the flesh and the spirit is both an appetite. Paul says it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. I'm going to say it at the end. The flesh desires. Now, you have a passion. I'm not doubting your salvation. You have a passion for the things of God. You worship Christ with all of your life and all of your heart. You're powerfully making an impact. But you have an appetite that lives according to the flesh. Versus the appetite that lives according to the spirit. It's, a, it's an appetite. It's the fact that you've been ordering a men from a menu not called the Bible. And once you have that craving, that deep appetite, desire, you, just, you ever have a desire to go, man, I just want Chinese food. But best taste is closed. And I ain't driving to Cranston. And then our daughter has us eating pho like five times. She goes, let's go get pho. I have this deep. We've been just eating pho three times a day. I'm like, enough. Pho, pho, whatever, fee, fi, pho, pho, whatever it's called. I call it chicken soup, whatever. But it's like my daughter will come home and go, let's get pho. Let's go to Vietnamese place and get, soup and get pho. I'm like, okay, let's go. And then once you have that, see, there's a difference between... When your desires, what are your desires like? I'm going to point out your desires. Are, they, are you following things that glorify God? Is God amening your behavior or is Satan amening your behavior? Is, again, this is not Satan. You don't have Satan in you. You have you in you. We don't have to cast the demon out of you. We have to cast you out of the demon. <laughs> That's impossible. This is something where... And if you've made a decision, uh, I, have a, I, have, I have a permit. I'm going to smoke all I want. I'm going to smoke pot. It's just like, and then why are, you, why are you in my office asking me oh, for counsel about it? There are people, listen, if you have in your mind that you're going to do something, I can't counsel flesh out of you. You don't need deliverance. You need discipline. I can't mentor the flesh out of you. This is something that you, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Man, this is something that you got to put your gloves on and say, let's go. Come on and begin ordering from the only menu that you are supposed to be ordering from. And start switching your appetite. Walking differently. Thinking differently. Acting differently. We don't change our belief systems to match our behavior. We change our behavior to match our belief system. Walk in the spirit, Paul says, so that you don't fulfill the lust of faith. And this is really important. You know what revival is? Revival is when Christians are holy. I can't wait till we have revival. Okay, go ahead. Do it now. Do it this week. 
Oh, Pastor, I can't wait till we have services where people are laid out for two in the morning. I'm like, I don't want that. I'm be, I, nine o'clock, I'll be like, you guys take care. That's my bedtime. <laughs> Revival is when there's a true change of heart. Where we change from carnal, fleshly living to living in the spirit. Lord, let today everything I say and do be in line with your word. And then lastly, to reacquaint ourselves with the truth. Not your truth, my truth, but the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then he says, I'm going to give you, Scripture says, I'm going to give you time to repent. God always gives us a season of sanctification. Always. He always get and let me tell you what's been going on in the last couple in the last month or so with the intensity of God's presence here in the house. God's been already speaking to you to say, hey, cut it out. Hey, you stop that. Hey, you stop that addiction. Oh no, it's legalized. Ask God permission first. Are we good? No, you're not. Pornography, stop that. The way you talk to your wife, stop that. I'm going to give you time to repent. All repentance is just change your mind. Change your thought process. Just switch it around. Then he says, listen, if you don't, get, if you don't repent, you're going to find yourself on a sick bed. Now again, judgment is God judging sin. Sinners were designed to be saved. Sin was designed to be saved. Sin was designed to be judged. Separate the sinner and the sin. He came to die for you. Taken on. He, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So he's given us time. Now he says if you don't, if you don't get with the program, you're going to find yourself in the sick bed. And this, again, this is not going, God going, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick. Sickness is a result of the original sin. Not just because you get a cold and people going around, oh, you have a cold. Oh, because you sin. A cold is a, we can blame Adam and Eve because you have a cold. We can blame Adam and Eve for COVID. Really, legitimately, we can blame them. But here he says, listen, there are things that happen when you live outside my blessing. When you live outside my favor, there are things that happen that are not good. No bueno. But then we get to the promise. Now, when we look at the promise with Ephesus, the first church, he says, listen, you, if you get this right, you're going to eat from the tree of life. And then he says to Smyrna, Smyrna, if you get this right, you won't be affected by the second death. And then Pergamum, he says, if you get this right, you're going to eat of the hidden manna and you get a white stone with a, a name that's only known to you. Now, to Thyatira, he, gets the most, he gives them the most powerful promise. I'm like, wow, this is, he, it's almost like, you know, you're told not to overpromise. You always underpromise and overdeliver. But here he says, you're going to get to, this is what he says, you're going to get to share in my authority. He says, I'm going to share my throne with you. He said, I'm going to let you sit on my throne. Imagine that. He's like, yo, 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 Mike, today, check this out. Jesus let me sit on his throne today. I got a picture. You saw it? Look at it. We took a selfie. Jesus is saying, God has given me authority, and I'm going to give you that same authority. And he says, then you're going to get the morning star, which is the first star that breaks the dark morning, the, the dark, darkness of night. But it's not really a real star because in Revelation chapter 2, 22, verse 16, he, Jesus says, I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright 
and morning star. So the best reward here when you overcome and you repent is you get Jesus himself. He goes, you get me, here we go. So you get to see him face to face when you get to heaven. But right now you get to experience that hidden revelation that we talked about a last week. That hidden manna. The best gift, the best promise a follower can receive is Jesus giving you himself. We always talk about we always give our life to Jesus. Actually, Jesus gave him his life for you first. We're always going to, you know, say a prayer and, and make a decision. He chose you first. So this is the promise that as a church, if we, if we have to cast a demon out of you, if you're here today, we'll help you with that. But if you are struggling with you, we can walk with you through that, through the process of confession. God, I messed up. Forgive me of my sins. And then repentance. I'm, help me. I want to change. I want to change my direction. And then here's the deal. When you change your direction, hang out with people who are going in the same direction. Does that make sense? So if you're overcoming, if you're overcoming smoking, if you're overcoming drinking, don't still hang out at the bar. Is that my, can I talk to you like this? So if I'm, if I'm overcoming drinking, I'm not going to hang around with my old friends. Some of you have had a hard time with that one. You got to change your scene. Quick. So you confess, you say, God, I'm going to change my mind. The Bible talks, the Bible, in the book of Joshua, it says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do wonderful things. Let's take a step back, consecrate ourselves. Who's going to enter the holy hill of the Lord? Someone who has clean hands. How many times have you antibacterialized your hands in the last year? We focus more on the outside than we do on the inside. Billions of dollars are spent. On eyelashes and eyebrows and Botox. What about the soul, man? You ever see somebody with Botox? You'd be like, whoa, hey. Now, I'm not an expert, but if you're going to get Botox, get a little bit at a time, all right? <laughs> focus, focus. And the heart. The heart. Let's get back to the church. Restoration church. Let's get back to the moment of salvation and sanctification where God says he's given a season to repent. Let's change the way we think. Let's become, let's, let's be a discerning church where a sharp, with a sharp sword with a soft heart. With a full heart that says I love people. But also the ability with discernment to say, hold on a second. I just want to share, I want to ask you, I want to share with you my thoughts. And speaking the truth in love is not, we think it's this. But speaking the truth in love is this. Your life is speaking. Let your, you let your light shine. Don't say let your light speak. Let your light shine before all men. So this is, this is our season. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things. So some of you are in a struggle of your life. Some of you are in an addiction. You're, you're just in crisis right now with life-controlling substances, life-controlling problems and issues and sin, thought process, anger, jealousy, bitterness, alcoholism, drugs, al pain, pain pills. Some of you are in that mode. 
And something has to stop. And I pray today begins the day that you change. Talking to Christians here today. Talking to the church. God wants to help you today. And it breaks my heart that you are in that position. That you are stuck. That you are there. And you don't have to be. Last week was so beautiful, the 9 a.m. service. We, it was, we called out under the leading of the Spirit. We called out some different things. Abortions and abuse and someone got up and said yep I had an abortion 20 years ago listen if you need help I'm here to help someone else yep I was sexually abused when I was 10 if you need help I'm here to help there's going to be somebody who went through what you're in now you don't go through what you go through and get delivered to be happy you go through what you go through and be delivered so you can help someone else come on come on let's stand let's stand Hallelujah. Let's just lift our heads to Jesus and worship him. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He's the bright, he's the morning star that breaks through darkness. Jesus is alive. Jesus, we clean our hearts, God. We clean our hands. Our hearts are open to you. We consecrate ourselves. Anytime God did something amazing, he had the people essentially just take a bath. So, Lord, I thank you for the purity that is hitting our souls, for the purity that's hitting our minds and our hearts, the way we speak, the way we act, what things we look at, what things we consume, what we inject into our bodies, what we put into our bodies. Oh, God, we repent. Change the way we think, God. We are sorry. Forgive us. We want something new. God, we repent. Change us. Forgive us. We're sorry. Clean us. Clean our hearts. Clean our minds. Help us. Give us a fresh start. Give us a Genesis experience, oh God. Give us a new beginning. Give us an Exodus experience. An exit out of this old life of bondage. God, give us an Exodus out of slavery mentality that we have. Something new something new and if you're here today and you're addicted and you are struggling father i just pray in the name of jesus here's the deal the cross has given me the authority to overcome satan the cross has given me the authority to overcome the flesh guess which one's harder <laughs> is it working out of your salvation day to day if you are here today and you are struggling i need you to make me a pledge to say I'm going to connect it to a small group. If you're a man, we have men's Bible study here with Minister Carr on Tuesday nights. Hang around with people that will look at you and encourage you. But hang around with people that will look at you and go, you're full of, you're full, you're full of poop. You're full of it. You need somebody that's going to look you straight in the eye and go, yeah, you're not doing good. Yeah, you smell, you reek. Uh, yeah, I know you said you didn't smoke, but you smell. No, I didn't. Why am I here convincing you that you did? I need you to make me that pledge. If you're a young lady, we have women's Bible study on Tuesday night with Miss Diane. We have small groups happening throughout the week. You do not have to go through this alone. You do not have to feel alone. God is with you. We'll partner you up with a mentor. We'll partner you with a, a man or a woman that will walk with you throughout this process. 
you do not, we have amazing small groups. I need you to make me that pledge, okay? And I'm going to receive that. You're here, so I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> and the victory here is that we receive the bright, the morning star, who is Jesus himself. Father, freedom in the house. Thank you, Lord, for liberty. And wherever you are, there is freedom. Wherever you are, there is liberty. He's alive. Jesus is alive. Come on, sing this song, Jackie. By his stripes we are healed. By his nail-pierced hands we're free. By his blood we're washed clean. Now we have the victory. The power of sin is broken, Jesus overcame. 